This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. And actually, it is a Purple Access with Judd Zolgad and Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune sports columnist Declan Goff as well, executive producer. Uh, and Chip, we did not do the show last week. It was um, Tyler Fornis and yours truly on that one from uh, Vikings Wire. So I want to start you off with what we observed last Tuesday, and I think that it continued uh, this past Tuesday as we were allowed to watch a second OTA, and it's this. What were your observations of Brian Flores, a.k.a. B-Flow, and what he is bringing to this defense? Because I don't think I've ever seen two OTAs with a defense that is this intense in my time covering this league since OTAs became a thing. Yeah, I I walked away from that one OTA last week saying, I don't know how much better they'll be, but they're going to go down swinging, right? There'll be no passiveness about this defense. And uh, I was standing with you, we were watching it, and the two things that jumped out was, one, um, is a lot more intense than what we saw in year one under Kevin O'Connell. I mean, was that the first day that they were on the field? It might have been second, first or second day, but um, – the defense, I think, has had enough uh, talk about how terrible they were last year. Um, but also just the uh, creativity, the difference in looks. We were talking to Christian Derisaw after that practice, and he's like, man, for, you know, this is, you know, first day of OTAs and the offensive line is really having to communicate because these guys are coming from everywhere and, we saw three safeties. We saw guys moving all over the place. Um, so I think this is if it, if it continues, and this is what we see. This is probably what uh, Brian Flores's reputation is, right? Aggressive and throws a bunch of different wrinkles at you. And we're we're seeing just the beginning stages of it, but it's um, it's night and day compared to what we saw this time last year. Absolutely. And what interests me too, Chipper, in in watching these two OTAs now in back-to-back weeks is I feel like the overall intensity of this whole thing is higher now. So, you know, O'Connell yeah. sort of eased things in. And look, I, I know from an offensive standpoint, it was a lot of installation of things that, you know, Kirk said, I'm trying to learn. So for the whole thing or the whole team, I'm sure offensively they had to go slower than they probably would have liked a year ago. That's not the problem now. But I guess yesterday really dr- drove it home. It feels to me like O'Connell 
basically tried to su- tried to start with a soft start last year as far yeah. as practices went and training camp went. I'm getting the feeling, and I'm not saying that he's turning into a hard ass, but I'm getting the feeling that yeah. that's not going to be the case the second time around. Well, I think, yeah, he was trying to set a culture of, like, we're going to take care of these guys. We're not going to beat them up. Learning's more important than, you know, coming out here and clobbering each other, which I understand. I, I think as much as anything, Judd, particularly with defense, because was it Alex Madison was talking about it, too, that day, and he said, I said, how would you describe what you saw from the defense? He said intense, a lot more intense than, than uh, what we're used to or what we um, thought it might be. How much do you think it was a bunch of guys who played passively last year and sat back and reactionary um, and got steamrolled? And that it probably, I mean, that's, what happened last year has to wound your pride if you're a defensive player. Yes. And, and it's also, so you combine that with also, Judd, I think you have a bunch of young players that are trying to impress the coaching staff and fill in to prove that they should be regulars in the NFL. And so I think it's a combination of that, that side of the ball is tired of getting uh, hearing how bad they're terrible. And also a bunch of young guys who are trying to prove that they belong in the NFL as starters. I don't think so. They're probably, I think they're probably super aggressive and excited and all that, that they're bringing to these practices. And I don't think that that defense from a personnel standpoint was that bad. I don't think it was really good. But I don't think it was that bad. I think the scheme combined with some aging guys like Kendricks caused problems. But the reality is this. I think if you had given, if you replaced Ed Donatel with Brian Flores and we took a time machine back to last year at this time, I don't think that that defense ends up being what I thought was pretty pathetic. I think it's probably not outstanding. But it's at least serviceable and and yeah. respectable to a certain degree. So yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think that there's a lot of guys, and and look, they're going to be younger and faster now, and they're going to play with speed, that's, and that's the most important thing because last year they never took it to any opponent. Well, that's that, that's the thing, Judd. You're like, would they be as bad as they were if Flores was the deep? I don't know, but it's hard to overcome their lack of speed. Huh? What they had last year. And that jumps out at you now is like you just have more speed. Now, um, is that going to mean more mistakes if they're being aggressive? Probably. <laughs> you're probably going to get beat some if you're being ultra aggressive. But I'd rather have that than just sit back on your heels the whole time and let the team dictate to, you know, what they're going to do. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but Judd, I mean, this time last year, didn't we weren't we talking about how we thought Donatello would be creative and use this, this we 100% and, did. in exotic ways? And 100%. So I still it, it still has to be they still have to do it in games, but I think there's going to be more of a hell of a lot more commitment to doing it after seeing what happened last year. Well, and Donatello, uh, starting with O'Connell, but also trickles down to us, sold us a bill of goods. Like we watched practices and thought, okay, but when the games start and Flores is installing things. You know, yeah. to, to your point from the outset of the show, three safety looks in which one guy's a hybrid linebacker who's blitzing. Linebacker, like yeah. they're do yeah. they're doing things that are instructive. And I would argue that we just went not wisely on blind faith a year ago. Now we're seeing what they're going yeah to do. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's in my opinion, 
the cornerbacks, because there's definite concern there, a lot of young guys. But, you know, I think the plan is this. I think the plan is to get enough consistent pressure where quarterbacks yeah. are where quarterbacks are under enough heat where the cornerbacks don't have to hold up in perpetuity to stop opponents. Or sag off. Because right. I mean they, they didn't they didn't either last year. They didn't really get pressure after the second half of the season once um, you know, the, the pass rush Smith kind of his production fell off dramatically. But they weren't getting pressure or they weren't pressing. It was just kind of, you know, let them bleed you to death. And they were giving a big play. So um, I still have the concerns about the cornerback. I mean, that's sure. still, um, you know, the, the the guy I'm interested in, Judd, is the guy who's not here. But I thought Daniil Hunter was such a – is poor fit the right word way to say how misused. he did with, with misused. He was misused. Yeah. He wasn't a poor fit because he actually had a nice season despite the fact that he was miscast. Yeah. Yeah. So misused. I, I want to see how that changes with Flores. Is it similar? Is it more um, going back to just having him be a you know predominantly four three pass rusher? Right? You know, I, I want to see how he's used. And uh, I guess Daniel will, will be here for many. You know, many maybe many camp. Maybe he's willing to take a fine if he's not here, trying to get his contract thing. But I think that will get resolved. Um, I agree. I'm curious to see how he uses him. And Harrison Smith came back this week. Um, he missed the first week. I want to see how, if he goes back into more of the traditional Harrison Smith role that we've seen. So I, I found it intriguing in the OTA that was open to us yesterday. It was actually the, the role that I thought that that uh, Smith or Seen might play. Looked like it was played more often by Josh Metellus, who a safety that I think that they like. He was the one yeah. blitzing a lot. But you know what? Well, he could be pretty good at that. I could see well, that. Well, that's the thing. That first week when we were out there, it was basically him and Lucine. Yeah. Um, and Biden was doing his thing. But I was like, so where does Harrison Smith fit in here? Is he doing what Metellus is doing? Or is he doing more? But they were moving Metellus all over yes. in, that, in the one practice. we were. He was kind of the rover. Yes. Um, so is that a sign of they want to see his role expanded? Uh, O'Connell, he was one of the guys that O'Connell mentioned a lot last year. And I would say a lot, but towards the second half of the season, I remember I was at a press conference. He said, we want to see some of these young guys, Asamoa and Metellus. Those were the two guys he mentioned. And it felt like he was negotiating through the media with his defense coordinator, like get these guys on the field. Right. Yes. And it never really materialized. I mean, you heard that, but it, it, uh, it never, they, their playing time. I don't think jumped up even significant, you know, even a Asamoah's did a on occasion, but not consistently. But not consistently, and Mattel's definitely didn't. No. He was still primary special team. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it's good to have the depth and that they're trying to figure out these pieces they have, but but the thing that jumps out, Judd, is this defense has the potential to be a lot faster than what we saw last year. Yes, and I wonder, so I wonder if we're wrong on Smith based on this. He was, in his day with Zim, great at that blitzing role. But I wonder yeah. if they're going to say, well, Metellus is younger and faster, so he plays that role. And Harris, like, yeah, but- I, I don't know here, but I'm just, I wonder if we're potentially reading this wrong as far as how they how they see guys currently. Well, speaking of misused, I thought Harrison Smith was misused. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Compared he, to he you never know, blitzed. him as much as the, 
him as much as Daniil when you look at his blitz, you know, under Zim. But but how's this work? Does so if you if you know Metellus's role is going to expand. You got Harrison. You got Bynum. You got Lewis Seen. Um, I'm curious to see how they employ that group. Let's talk about Seen for a second, okay? Yeah. Because to your point, going back to assumptions, and last spring was full of assumptions. I am assuming that C now in his second year, hopefully fully recovered from that gruesome broken leg, is going to play a huge role. But that's an assumption, Chip. Now and now I have said yeah. if he doesn't play more, it's a problem. But the you first know, round pick. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? Are we assuming that this coaching staff is going to be beholden to where a guy well, was drafted, and they're actually not. Because I could see Flores saying, "Screw it, you know what? I'm playing the best guys that I possibly can." Yeah, but 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 Quasey and O'Connell picked this guy. I agree. I'm with you. You know, and so you know, we make assumptions all the time based off draft stats, which is what we do. Yep. I mean, just because that's um. So, but but you know, just the way they're using Metellus and moving him around tells me that they see something. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're not just, they see something there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's the, maybe we see a combination of all four of those guys in some roles or capacity that, that, you know, you know, we always talk about basketballs become positionless and football is always going to be position driven, but I think, anymore you, you look at these guys and you're like is that guy a linebacker is right. he a safety See, yeah. what is he so i think you're seeing a little bit of that infiltrate you know and yes. so um i like I, I do feel like flores is has that philosophy of let's just get let's be multiple let's be you know as as flexible and creative as we can with these guys offenses are so smart now that you have to keep them guessing yeah you have to yeah. do that and so it can't be this, well, we're a 3-4. We're a base 3-4, and that's what we do. As F- Flora said, I, I think it was in his uh, first press conference, that's, yeah. a, star- that's yeah. a starting point. But, you know, I'm, look, the most, the most important thing, in my opinion now, and you, you can joke about it being halftime adjustments, but it's literal in-game adjustments that you continue yeah. to make on both sides of the ball based on what's being done to you. And the quicker that you can do that and be able to – I think the more room there is open for success. Yeah, and it was at that introductory press conference. Someone said, "As Flores, like three, four, or four, three. And his, I forgot his, his comeback was like, "What offense are we facing, or what's yeah. the situation?" Who we, you know? So something. it's, yeah, yes. But so I, I, I think, you know, and it, it goes back to their draft picks too. You know, is this guy a, you know, outside corner, inside corner? Is he a safety? They they drafted guys in the back in the defensive backfield that can play multiple positions. So I think he has that in mind. Like that's how you have to be as as defense. But it's still, man, it comes down to rush. They got to have a, a you know he's got to be creative and get more pressures. You know if you don't have a pass rush in today, these quarterbacks are too good. They'll just eat you alive. 
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Here's what I want, Chipper. And I, I've been asking for this since we got a, a taste of it in 2019 in the playoff game against the Saints, in which I contend Mike might have coached his best game defensively. I want Daniil not to zone blitz, not to drop back into coverage. Yes. I want Daniil moving around the line. I want him. I, yeah. That's one thing we talked about last spring, because I really thought that there was going to be a page taken from that Saints playoff game book, right? And that yeah. Daniil was going to, and, and I'm not talking about left end to right end. I'm talking about inside at times. Middle. Yeah, You know, screw this whole, well, we got to have these certain guys there. Daniil Hunter is, when used correctly, a Pro Bowl player. He is unbelievably talented. Yeah. Why wouldn't you move him around? And Because if he gets lined up against the wrong guard or center, you've got a great mismatch yeah. there. Well, I agree that you're right. That Saints game, I mean, that, that game, that, that scheme was just, it completely fooled them. They had no answer for it. And it's, this is probably talking out of both sides of the mouth because, yes, you can't be predictable. And, yes, you have to, you know, you have to throw different things and different looks and disguises. But every time I see Daniil Hunter drop back in coverage and he's getting like a wheel route or a tight end, I just like. It's a waste of time. This is your best pass rusher. He's like on a historic yeah. arc in sacks and you're dropping them into coverage, just rush the court, be great at what you're great at, right. you know? Um, again, you know, maybe you can become predictable doing that. And it's not like they're doing this 20 times a game, but I still, every time I see it, I'm just like, ah, good luck. Blocking do something them. else. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just let him, let him be a pass rusher and disrupt the quarterback. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing of dropping him into coverage once in a great while as a changeup, I get, but when it becomes like, well, he, I mean, that's his spot. No, it's not his spot. His spot yeah. is to rush the quarterback. And look, I don't care if it's predictable or not, or not. He's hard to stop. And again, if you get yeah. him on the right matchup, tight end, a guard, God help that player. Yeah, we, we've seen that. <laughs> we've seen yeah, that he gets in a, done. in a rhythm. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, that was the talker of, of day one or last week of just, uh, you know, it was it was Darisol that he was he was talking about how beneficial it is for the offensive line because he said they didn't see that a lot in practice last year and yes. they didn't get in the game and they would see these things so it's it's probably helping them too. Um, but it was nice to see you know and and you you hope that it carries forward and as they add every you know all their pieces um, that that's what the defense is going to look like. All right, so if that was the big discussion point, and it for sure was of day one of OTAs, the big discussion point of day two of OTAs was the whereabouts at voluntary workouts of one Justin <laughs> Jefferson. What is your antenna up to? What what do your uh, longtime beat reporting spidey senses tell you about the Justin Jefferson situation? Well, when a guy who's up for a contract doesn't show up for OTAs, the antenna goes up. It's not like, yes, yeah, thank you, you know, it, this is not like an Adrian Peterson, although he showed up some, but if he's, you know, he, he typically did his work in Houston, you know, whatever. Um, 
Mark Rosen, right, this morning, we were taping on Wednesday, said on the radio that something could happen soon. I, I, I want to take that as, you know, a sign that something's going to happen soon. Um, and it makes sense, but, you know, it, Jefferson not being here, I don't think it's alarm bells, but it's, you know, when, when there's a contract, talks. Same thing with Daniil Hunter. He wants a new contract and they're not here. That that just you know, it gets your attention. <laughs> there are contract talks, and we we have covered this a lot, Chipper. There are contract yeah, talks, yeah. and then there are contract talks, and this one <laughs> is right. in the rare air, right? Like we're talking about a guy that yeah. probably and maybe probably rightfully so wants to be the highest non-paid quarterback in the league, and so I think that this one, I don't think that this one is one where it's like, oh, he'll show up and then, you know what, training camp, four days in, press conference. I'm getting the idea that this one needs to get done, and it's probably holding things up, i.e. Hunter. Um, yeah. But I think that this one is one where Justin and his camp have probably said, I'll see you when the contract gets done. Because O'Connell's responses about the situation to me yeah, were cryptic enough where where you could definitely uh, connect some dots there. Yeah, because he didn't. You know, we've heard this before. We when we had asked Childress about you know a guy not being there, he, his standard was well. I like to remind you these are voluntary. Right. You know, um, we didn't get that line. It was, I'm in constant dialogue with Justin. We're in a good spot. He understands the situation. So, i.e., they're working on a contract. It's going to get resolved and blah blah. And and if you're the Vikings. Don't you just be proactive and get this thing done and not let it and they probably drag are. on it. And, and that's that's what I think is I mean, they they said it's a priority, they're gonna make it a priority. Because in a lot of ways, doesn't this dictate his contract dictate the domino moves? Yes. And so you get that one out of the way, and now you figure out, okay, how are we gonna make the rest of this work? Um, and what is it gonna look like? So it makes sense to get it done as soon as possible and um I'm curious to see. We know it's going to be historic. How historic? <laughs> because right. I, I have to think. I have to think the uh, the Hill contract was at thirty million per year, and Aaron Donald point, is right? thirty one point seven or something like that. Thirty two point seven, yeah. and and he is the but highest paid quarterback. Hill's your starting point, though, from a receiver's yes. perspective. Yes, thirty million a year. So um, it's going to be a it's going to be a whopper when it's done. It's going to be huge and. Um, you know, it, and it's one of those, it has to be whatever it takes to get him done because not only is he, you know, a generational talent, he's your most popular player and the key to everything you're doing right now. So, so, and that's a great point about the domino impact and effect here, too, because so Justin still has two years left on his rookie contract, but I believe what you can do is slide some of the new money into the cap hits and, and take some hits now. But to your point, too, where this gets really intriguing is, so his contract will will go through 2024, the current one. Um, he'll, he'll start, the new one will start in 25. But keep in mind, without that new contract right now, there's no assurances. So if he gets hurt now, he's really, really screwed. But the other thing, to your point, yeah. is Kirk. Like, so if, if the thought process is, well, we couldn't trade for a quarterback now, we're not going to be that terrible in 2023 you know, can we yep. afford to sign Kirk to a three-year extension, for instance? That will yeah. then be predicated on what's Jefferson going to be making against the cap in 2025. Judd, with all these, the thing I don't know, with all these 
new deals and streaming and all this new revenue coming. Have we seen projections of what the salary cap's going to look like for those years? I mean, is it going to go up so, so substantially? Go up substantially. That you afford, so go, could you afford both? Well, that's probably that's probably part of the question. But you know, but if Justin's looking for, I mean, t- t- take your pick with this kid. If he's looking for thirty-eight a year guaranteed or quarterback money, like it's still going to have an impact on your thought process. Yeah. Well, for sure, yeah, because it's. Even if you're able to do it and squeeze everything, are you going to be able to get the marquee, you know, cornerback or the marquee left guard or whatever? Um, how much money is going to be left over? So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, those are for the capologist Brzezinski, and I'm sure he's working his magic right now. We've seen him do this time and again. And um, But he's he's tough, too. Like, they're they're not going to just say, hey, Jefferson Camp, whatever you want. Like, there will be back and no, forth he's, here. I, I guarantee there's well, some that, yeah. haggling. Oh well, yeah, I mean there has to be, and and, but he's also, you know, they've been creative in how they get stuff done. Now it's 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 caused some pain on the back end with you know having to kick the can down the road a little bit. But um, I I just it never felt like this is going to be one that drags on to me because I just a, when your GM is saying you're in you're looping in a wide receiver in the personnel decisions or you're keeping him abreast of stuff. I mean, that, that tells in everything you're doing is built around him. That tells me you don't want to get acrimonious. You don't want it to drag on and create any kind of hard feelings. So I think they're going to put the the top priority and get this thing done. ASAP. Probably correct. Uh, Final thoughts from you as far as what you saw at the OTAs a week ago, Tuesday, what else stood out to you? Um, I do think the speed, the overall speed in defense is one that jumped out. Um, Offensively, you know, not a whole lot. You know, Cousins, Cousins, we don't have Jefferson in the first-round picks. Addison, I don't – he tweaked something, wasn't practicing, so you're seeing some backup wide receivers. But um, to me, just watching the day I saw, it was hard not to focus on – how multiple their defense was and how faster it looked um, because they, to me, they were the story, you know, how aggressive they were and, and how just jump pre-snap judge. They were moving all over the place, guys running up, guys running back. Fun. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was like, wow, look at this is something, you know, we're seeing change here. This is what change looks like. So to me, that's, that's the main thing that jumped out. Yeah, I think there's no question, and th- this is not a bad thing. I think there's no doubt in my mind that Brian Flores is coaching this d- defense for a head coaching job ASAP, and I don't blame him one bit. Probably deserves it. But, I mean, there's. Yeah. I, I think we are going to be, if if nothing else, I think we are going to be pleasantly surprised, not by necessarily the development of all these individual players, but I think what their premise yeah. is going to be, what the scheme is going to, to be, is going to be enjoyable to watch. And last year it was like pulling teeth. Yeah. I don't, there's probably privately some of him like, Hey, cause he deserves a head coaching job. I just think that's who he is. I think this is his style. I think this is his, yep. his makeup. Like this is how he coaches. And so um, it was cool to see. And I just want to see how that translates to the regular season. If we still see just guys running all over the place and different packages and a different look and, you know, bunch of safeties playing together and, you know, young guys. Um, I'm curious to see how he brings all this thing together, but it, it definitely, if you watch one practice, that's what jumped out to me. 
I have never seen an installation go th- go this quick too. Like where they are doing things, or ordinarily, you know, you install and like you're literally walking through things in OTAs, right? Yeah. The the yep. the quickness that this defense is showing with very little time actually to have been in the classroom, probably. Um, I don't think I've ever seen this before where it's implemented on the field and it's like that. And, and I don't know what's going to yeah. work, but I mean, he definitely has them going at a pace you rarely see in this part of installation. Yeah. And I don't know what the theory would be like, why, it, why it feels that way. Maybe it's a, something that's easy. It looks complicated what they're doing, you know, with all the movement and checks and all that they're making. But, um, you know, I'm sure there's a little bit of their heads spinning a little bit because it didn't mean, Joe, look how it didn't look chaotic, but just the way they were they're causing chaos. different. Yeah, that's why the way it looked is like this is this is a lot. So it was I want to see I I'm it makes you want to see more at mini camp and, and training camp to see how this thing really starts to, to take shape. Absolutely. Chipper, good stuff. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Okay, buddy? All right, brother. We'll see. Talk to you.